It's good to be back. There's, I've been away for two weeks and there have been uh, a couple of other people preaching in my stead. Um, have they done all right? Yes. Glad to hear it. And we're continuing on. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning or you weren't here for the past couple of weeks, we are actually preaching through the Gospel of Mark. And this is an exciting Gospel. Mark was not a person to mince his words or to dilly-dally or shilly-shally about. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty racy gospel. Um, but because as preachers we tend to pick the best bits out and smack you over the head with them to, to encourage you and inspire you and um, correct you and other things, some, some bits get missed. So what we've been doing is, before I preach, we're, I'm actually going to ask Loretta to come out and she's actually going to read us the section of Mark chapter 5, it's from verse 21 to 43, that uh, my message will be taken from this morning. So thank you Loretta. Uh, I think he's got the mic. So Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. <laughs> Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realised at once that healing power had gone out from him and so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the, from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened 
and then he told them to give her something to eat. Fabulous. Quickly, turn to your neighbour, punch them in the arm and say, is that wax in your ears? It better not be because you're going to need those ears open this morning. Now, my, my apologies that uh, the scriptures you're seeing on the screen appear to be from the NIV, but because I re- returned home from Sydney to discover that my telephone line has been cut and therefore I have no internet, uh, means that I didn't have time to change any of those things, so you might have to guess a bit uh, um, exactly what the scriptures that I'm using are, but they should be pretty close. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you have that. So, isn't that an intriguing story? In fact, it involves two very different people. So I, I'm just going to pick one. And let, let's look at that whole story that Loretta read us from his perspective. And of course, it's, as I've said, his, his I've given it away, it's Jairus. Now, Jairus, interesting, he was a synagogue leader. So he was part of the the, the group that we assume is totally against Jesus. And yet, here he is, a leader of the synagogue. So he's a man of influence. He's very important in the Jewish community. He has has status. He has authority. And who who, who likes to have status? Who likes to have authority? Good things to have. But they come with problems if you've got authority it means you've got responsibility and so here's a man high up in the religious hierarchy high up in his community and he his daughter is dying and he risks everything to come and throw himself at the feet of Jesus people with his authority his status did not throw themselves at the feet of wandering prophets who had no reputation. People saw him. There was a crowd around Jesus. And this guy Jairus comes up and throws himself at Jesus' feet. It's a bit like having the Prime Minister suddenly walk down Nord Parade and throw himself at some guy yelling at people to repent on the street corner. We all think, Malcolm's lost it. (laughs) But this is what happened. He He was desperate to see his daughter healed. And guess what happened? Jesus said yes. And he, threw, he, he risked everything. Everybody's looking going, look at Jairus. He's on the floor in front of that guy. I mean, you've seen him do miracles, but this is the head of, yeah, a head in our community. I mean, and he's weeping and wailing and, and begging Jesus to heal his daughter. What's he going to do? Okay, I'll come to your place. Can you imagine how Jairus felt? He's risked everything. And, and let's read it. Mark 5.22. Leader of the local synagogue, important person called Jairus arrives. He sees Jesus. He fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. It wasn't like, uh, excuse me, can you just come and heal my daughter? He was fervent. You've got to come. You've got to come and heal my daughter. Please, please. He's, he's fervent. Was that fervent enough? That was good. Okay. Notice that Brendan was getting a bit nervous there. He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him. And of course, guess what? Jesus didn't go on his own. 
It says, and the crowd followed. Can you imagine? Channel 7, Channel 9, cameras, lights, everything. Whoa! He said, yeah, he's, he's going to this guy's house. Come on. So they all charged down the street. And Jairus is thinking, yes, yes. I got Jesus. And he said, yes, and he's coming to my place. I am going to get a miracle. Who would like a miracle here this morning? Who would get excited like Jairus? If Jesus appeared suddenly, Jesus is coming to my house. I've prayed for something. And guess what? He said, yes, and he's coming, and I'm going to get a miracle. And so they're charging down the street, this whole crowd of people barreling towards Jairus' house. And suddenly Jesus stops. He looks around. He says, who did that? And Jairus is like, what? What? what are you doing? It's this way. It's this way. And Jesus stops and looks around. Somebody touched me. And it's like there's hundreds of people around him. It's like, who touched me? It's like, I was goosed in the crowd. Somebody pinched me. Naughty, who are you? And there's this woman who has approached him. And it says, Mark 5, 23, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Amen? (laughs) Don't you hate it when people say amen? It's not a real punctuation word I shouldn't say that do you agree who's suffered from many doctors not necessarily from the doctors it's the bills (laughs) and guess what back in Jesus time the same thing happened she'd gone to doctors she'd had to pay them everything she had but she had got no better in fact she'd gotten worse she'd heard about Jesus so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself if I can just touch his robe I'll be healed And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? She had gone broke trying to get cured. Do you know that there's a a treatment for her condition? There are two treatments. And they're mentioned in Jewish literature. The first treatment is that you have to carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag around your neck. But only in summer. In winter, you have to have a wool bag around your neck and carry the ashes of an ostrich egg. Now, I don't know about you, but A, if you did that these days, you'd be brought up before the World Wildlife Fund for stealing ostrich eggs. But even then, I mean, I don't remember hearing much of a description about Jerusalem with terribly many ostriches running around. They must have been bloody hard to get. But there was, there was another solution. Don't worry. If you couldn't do that, you had to carry barley corn that had been harvested from the dung of a white female donkey. <laughs> and you had to wear that around your neck. It's even worse than civet cat coffee, isn't it? And so these were the treatments that they gave her and charged her exorbitant amounts of money for to cure her condition of bleeding. Now, I don't know, but the later... Lancet that I read, which was a long time ago, uh, said nothing about bleeding being stopped by ashes of ostrich eggs. I'm pretty sure that there hasn't been a lot of research done because the first time they tried it, it didn't work. So we can see she's been ripped off, mistreated, ostracized from society because the other thing about Jewish society is if it, blood of any sort, if it's uncontrolled bleeding, it makes you ceremonially unclean, which meant this woman was not invited to any... Um, Parties, no bar mitzvahs, no weddings, 
She couldn't go to temple. She, she was not allowed in the synagogue because she was bleeding. She was ostracized. I mean, her life was not particularly pleasant. And the, the worst thing is, of course, Jesus was also known with, among his followers as a rabbi. And so he was a holy man. To touch a holy man while you're unclean made him unclean. And so she wasn't just risking embarrassment like Jairus was. She was, she was risking a beating and possibly even death because she had deliberately gone and made a holy person unclean. Can you get the picture that she was not in a good place? But from Jairus' perspective, you know, and, and well, let's back up a bit. Mark 5, 33 says, The frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done. She wasn't trembling because she was excited about the healing. She was trembling because, healed or not, she could be killed. But he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Interestingly, he didn't say your touch or your bravery had made. It was her faith. Go in peace, your suffering is over. Now, isn't that a fabulous miracle? But it's not the right one. J- Jairus is standing there thinking, You're supposed to be coming to my place. Why? I mean, Jesus has not only stopped and found and asked the question, like, who touched me? He's now started talking to that person, held everything up, and given her a miracle. And, and we know he, he knows he's giving her a miracle. He said, I felt healing power go out of me. And it's, it's like, yeah, but, but she's, she's sick, all right. I get it. She's, she's not well. Life hasn't been easy, but she's not dying. My daughter is dying. And he's standing there like... And, and to make matters worse, messengers come and say, don't bother talking to Jesus, she's dead. It's too late. Your miracle's passed. Time's, the time for your miracle is over. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, you prayed, you believed. Somebody else got blessed and you still think, oh, time for my miracle must be over. The power that Jesus had for my miracle, somebody else got it. Somebody else pinched it. You go through life, you pray, you're faithful. And guess what? Other people get miracles. Other people get healed, but you don't. Other people are financially blessed, but you're still poor. Because somebody has stolen your miracle. At least that's what Jairus is thinking. Don't bother Jesus now. Your miracle moment's passed. Somebody else got the blessing meant for you and you missed out. That's how the kingdom of God works. Sorry. Bad luck. So what happens next? I mean, the obvious, the right thing to do is for Jesus to apologize for his mistake. Sorry, she got in first and stole that power that was meant for your daughter. I do, I, I do apologize. If there hadn't been so much of a crowd, we might, have, we might have made it to your place. But bad luck, we didn't. No. Mark 5.36, Jesus overheard them talking. And he turned to Jairus and he said, sorry, mate, bad luck. He said, do not be afraid. Just have faith. I don't imagine Jairus took that well. But then, you see, Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He knows the power of what he says and he knows that Jairus doesn't. So he does three things for Jairus. First thing, 
he sent away the crowd that was distracting him. He wouldn't let anybody else come with him. The crowd was around him. They, they were in it for the sensationalism. and They were distracting Jairus. He'd seen a miracle in that crowd and he'd lost focus about his own. Jesus sent them away. He got to Jairus' place. There was another crowd. And that crowd was laughing at him. Sleeping? She's dead. I know dead. I know the difference between dead and sleeping. Ha! You're an idiot. Jesus sent the laughing crowd away. Third thing he did is he surrounded him with faith-filled people. He only allowed James, John, and whoever the other guy was. Never mind. There were Peter. And so he surrounded him with faith-filled people. He then told the little girl to get up and walk, which she did. What did Jairus realize in that moment? He'd tailed Jesus to his house thinking, I don't know why he's bothering, she's dead. He's told me to have faith. And yet slowly Jesus removes the barriers. He gets rid of the distractions. He gets rid of the mockers. He surrounds him with people of faith. And Jairus still gets his miracle. It was interesting. Did you notice that the woman with the issue of blood had had it for 12 years? How old was Jairus' daughter? 12. Don't know what that means, just interesting. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that Jairus realized something in that instant, and hopefully we realize something in that instant. That no matter what Jesus had done on the journey, when he got there, the miracle still happened. The power of God is not a pie with only so many slices in it, and if somebody gets your slice, there aren't enough to go round. God's power is a river. There are no slices to steal. It's a continuous flow. But you see, you got nervous, like Jairus did, at, at about verse 30. Because it says, Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. And so he said, who touched my rope? And we sort of think, who stole my power? Because we're thinking a pie. We're thinking Jesus has topped up to here with power and suddenly somebody touches him and zoop. There's some missing. And if somebody else, whoop, it's only half gone. He gets it. By the way, the time he's got to Jairus' house, it's like he's only got power in his little toe. And it's like, ooh, is that enough? But do you know why Jesus could detect power flowing out of him? Because faith starts a flow. Jesus noticed that power had gone out of him because power flowed through him. He didn't feel empty. He just felt the river move. And so we actually need to understand that Jesus didn't lose anything. He was moved by something. What moves Jesus? What moves the hand of God? Only one thing, faith. And you see, the river flows with the application of faith. See, the, the, the woman was healed by her faith, not her touch. Her touch was just the physical outworking of her faith. And it actually started the power of God flowing through Jesus. Jesus didn't feel tired, emptied. He felt invigorated because the power of God was starting to flow through him. It was activated. And guess what? When he, when he got to Jairus' place, that power was still flowing through Jesus. And it was still active when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. 
It hadn't diminished just because somebody else had activated their faith. Repeat that after me. It hadn't diminished, it hadn't diminished. because somebody else, somebody else had activated their faith. You need to remember that. This is why when we see people's prayers answered, we should celebrate. Because it's not that they've got the power and you haven't. It's not because you've missed out. It's because it's a sign that the river of God, the power of God, the move of God, the miracles of God are flowing. All you have to do is jump into the flow. And guess what? It doesn't run out. Have you ever done that thing where you dip a bucket into a stream and pull it out? Have you noticed the hole the bucket mates going down the stream? I've never seen that. I've tried it numerous times. I'm thinking, if you take some water out of the river, there should be a hole. But it doesn't. It's just it's smooth. You can keep taking buckets out because it keeps flowing. And God is like that. We can, we can take buckets out with our faith. We can, we can have, he says, a small amount of faith can move mountains. I mean, if you threw a mountain into a river, that would make a splash. But God's not afraid of splashes. So... We need to understand that the only thing that could have stopped Jairus' daughter being healed and raised was fear. The only instruction Jesus gave Jairus was, do not be afraid, have faith. Because the only thing that stops the flow, the miracle power of God, is fear. It's not crowds. It's not distractions, it's not difficulties, it's not people laughing at you. It's how that interacts with your heart and your spirit. If fear rises to the top, guess what? You don't get a river, you get a pool. And when you've got a pool, if you've got a pool long enough, guess what? Things grow in it. It gets stagnant. You get blue-green algae contaminations or whatever they are. Because there's no flow. It takes the flow of power. That's why I talked earlier in the prayer time. It's gr- it is important to pray for others because God will get it to you if he can get it through you. If you can activate your faith for somebody else's need, guess what? Your needs will be met. So we need to get excited about the power of the river of God in our lives. I want to I pray for some people this morning. I want you to dare to believe this morning if you're here and you're, you're like Jairus you're important now I know that none of you would like to admit that you because Australian we don't do that hello I'm important well nobody here anyway but who knows we, we have we all have status in our own minds sometimes we have status in other people's minds but we all like to think that we're important to God And sometimes that self-importance gets in the way of us throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus and saying, hey, I need a miracle. Some of us have done that and we've, we've had the faith to see God answer. But as we've been walking in that faith, as we've been walking towards our miracle, we've seen other people who've seemingly done nothing. They've just snuck up on Jesus and touched him and they've got theirs. And it's like, I've been praying for years. I've been trying to get Jesus to my house. But he keeps getting distracted. And by the time he gets there, and you give up. Somebody's come to you and said, ah, don't bother Jesus anymore, he's busy. We need to, this morning, 
remove those things because that generates fear in our spirits. We need to come to a place of faith. If you've seen other people get answers to prayer but not you, if you've had bad news which has given fear strength and stolen your faith, or if you've been surrounded by distractions, you may have been surrounded by mockers, or perhaps it's all of the above. I want that to change this morning. Can I get everybody to stand, please? I want us to start worshipping to this song. And can I get you to move that? And if any of those things or all of those things struck a chord, If you are believing for something, it may have been for a long time or a short time, but if your faith is being challenged, if fear is standing in the way of faith, or if it's just been a long time and you you want strengthening in your faith, as we begin to worship, I want you to step out and worship on this altar. Come onto the altar of God and start believing that that river can still flow through you it's not a piece of pie it's actually a river that you can soak in and that the presence of God will wash the fear away that you will be strengthened in your faith that you will have the ability to keep believing for what you desire to happen in your life let's sing